Hi, this is Lee and Kate, and we'd like to welcome you to this week's episode of Education Transformation Podcast. This week, we're going to be discussing quality and compliance in education. We are really blessed to have a contribution from Aaron Dixon uh, in this conversation. Aaron Dixon is uh, practicing in quality and compliance within a large training provider. So let's take a moment to hear his views in relation to compliance versus quality. So Kate, today we're going to look at a really interesting conversation on the difference between compliance versus quality. Sometimes it's debatable and sometimes quite a contentious issue. It is. It's kind of one of those red flags to a bull for many people. It's either got to be compliant or it's got to be quality. I guess for me, actually... I'm in the middle where if you have something of quality, you really should be compliant. It should lead to compliance. Yeah, yeah. So let's explore that a little bit further, shall we? So compliance is often a focus upon our legislative responsibilities in in the world of learning and development. So that can vary regardless as to where you are or depending upon where you are in the world. Um, For us, we're talking about, uh, in Australia, we're talking about ASQA with regards to vocational education and training, and we're talking about TESQA with regards to higher education. And I think um, compliance is very much, for many people, the big stick. I have to meet these requirements or I'm not going to be able to train and deliver. I'm not going to be able to run my organisation. So to some extent, there's the... Uh, fear of I have to meet these so what at whatever cost I have to have to make sure that whatever I'm producing is going to tick the boxes yes yes and I think um, with that mindset it can actually become quite problematic and, and a, mm. a, a combative issue within the workplace uh, because you'll have your compliance staff saying to the lecturing faculty we have to do this and this is why Sometimes just we have to do this. Yeah, and there's <laughs> no, no real, explanation. There's no real reason. It has to like be like this with these tick boxes or these words because our regulator says so. But there's no meaningful outcome for the student. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. So let's have a think about what compliance is. So what do you think compliance is? I guess from my perspective, because you and I have both done a bit of compliance, we've also done quality and we've also done training and assessment. Well, we've, so we've seen we've it all. We've worked in that for three years yeah. um, with regards to compliance and uh, um, quality management, yes? Yeah, so compliance is very much about risk management, mm-hmm. identifying risk, managing risk, recording risk. Yeah. Yep. Over, you know, programmed, it's very... Um, Oh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's very... Systems-based, yes, quality system. management system in place. So things like risk registers and the like. Yeah, yep. yep. so you have to... It's got to be programmed. It's it's very um, records-based. You need evidence. Yeah. Um, so finding that information, chasing things up, being need- on top of programs and the information you need, meeting timelines for reporting, mm-hmm. um, all of that comes under compliance. Um, what what you do with your findings. So it's also around, you know, have we met? If we haven't, how are we going to mm-hmm. um, plan to remedy these gaps over the coming months, weeks, and, and And recording that. Yes. Yes. So there's lots of record keeping. Yep. Which I 
think is one of the issues when it comes to training and assessment and lecturing staff is often there's seen to be an onerous amount of record keeping that doesn't transcribe into quality training and assessment. There's a balance there because, yeah. uh, you know, we, we've also spent, you know, I've spent nearly 20 years in the classroom or 15 years in the classroom. So um, I well and truly relate to the world of lecturing. Mm. Um, and, and in your role, you're currently, you know, undertaking those duties at the moment. And so, you know, we understand that um, and that's really important. But I've also become very much aware and highly appreciate the fact that we need to uh, meet our regulatory responsibilities. And so there's a balance there that we must also embrace compliance, whether we're a lecturer or whether we're involved with a quality team. It makes no difference. We, we it's, it's part of our profession. Yeah. I, I think one of the difficulties is often there's an us and them mm-hmm. mentality yep. created, whether it's between us as a training organisation and the regulator, whoever that mm-hmm. may be, or yep. us and them between the compliance um, work team and the rest of lecturing and training assessment staff, mm-hmm. you can get this us and them, and that's not healthy. It doesn't actually create great outcomes. No, no, true. And so, and so good compliance also involves uh, consultation, and also involves uh, some collaboration about this is what we need to do. This is this is a suggestion about how we can address the issue. What are your thoughts? And then the team can can unpack things and, and amend things if, if necessary. And we can come up with a, a holistic approach to compliance to a specific issue with compliance. Um, and it also involves education, doesn't it? Like yeah. you need to continually educate your your. Uh, your learning and development team in relation to the progress, celebrating compliance progress, and also recognising the fact that, okay, but we still have some room for improvement and we need your buy-in to continue that process. I think one of the difficulties too coming from a compliance perspective, whether you are the compliance officer or whether it's the regulator coming in and looking at compliance is that often the people on the receiving end are feeling like they're they're being they're only being looked for what's wrong mm, mm, rather mm. than what's going well. So usually you only hear about what's what's not compliant or what needs improvement, and so that doesn't actually engender a great environment. Yeah. Um. So being able to bridge that divide of no, we're not actually here, although we are looking to see what's wrong that's not our main focus we actually want this to be the best program or best um training that's possible and that's why we're looking for it but often you only get the negative back yeah that's right if we can keep our focus upon the end user you know the graduate um that that should keep compliance quite healthy. So that then moves us into the the aspect of quality. It does, yeah. Which which is similar, but at least in my eyes, different. So let's have a think about quality because quality is much more of a holistic view. Um, so what are your thoughts with regards to quality? What are some of those attributes? Yes. So for me, quality should always start with the graduate outcomes or the student outcomes at the end so it's working backwards again I know I talk a lot about mapping backwards and working Mm -hmm, backwards mm -hmm. not just in 
um, for this, but also for training assessment. But, you know, if we look at what the student needs to be when they graduate, that can help us identify what is quality for them, what is quality training and assessment, what is quality regulatory compliance, what is... um, quality in way of their experience through the whole training from from enrollment right to the end which is really important so if we start at the end that helps us as we begin to plan yeah yeah and quality you're right quality should take on um or should should evaluate right from the beginning like student counseling course counseling that's part of the quality journey. Yes, and it also is part of compliance. So if you have is, a great yeah. quality system um, and great quality in all aspects, then you should be compliant mm. Mm. Um, with your regulatory um, requirements. But things such as um, having student-centred learning is really important. Yeah. Training and assessment that is actually meaningful to the student rather than just an assessment that meets regulatory requirements so in vocational education we have our training packages and you might have an assessment instrument that meets the compliance outcomes but it's actually not particularly meaningful assessment to the student so based around their their workplace what are they going to have to do in the workplace so an assessment that reflects that rather than just yes i've answered these points and so that meets the compliance aspects and and the ability to retain that knowledge when they graduate and transfer that knowledge yeah into various circumstances that's right that's right i think also the embracing of, of modern teaching techniques within the training room um that's really important so that then leads you down the path of of being open-minded and continually seeking to develop your your teaching and assessment skills through mm-hmm. professional development. You know, mm-hmm. there's so many practitioners out there that, that refuse to, you know, have an open mind about considering new techniques. Not that you're going to embrace every, every uh, possible new option out there, mm-hmm. but it's interesting to listen and to gain an understanding as to why people do what they do and if it's not, if it's not going to align with your personality, that's fine. But if you keep your mind on the on the graduate and the people that are sitting in front of you in the classroom, then that ensures you're always seeking quality within the training room. Mm-hmm. It's it's again back to that holistic thing. It's about the student. It's about the training. It's about the assessment. It's about the people delivering the training. It's about your record keeping. It's such. It's a big umbrella rather than just. The, the compliance. Yes. Yeah, yeah. The, the ticking of the boxes. Yeah. Yeah, that's right, that's right, and the systems and so forth. So Aaron's going to talk to us today about the importance of compliance versus quality, and he's got some really interesting views to share. So Aaron, thanks so much for joining us for this conversation today. I think it's going to be really rewarding for yes. the listeners. So you work as a quality lead for an international training organisation. Yes. You've also done a similar role within Australia. Mm-hmm. Bringing in best practice and, and change is inevitable. Mm. Um, often faculty that are attached to their training resources or yes. the way they've always done it yes. can be quite resistant yes, they to, certainly are. To, to the process that, that needs to come in. Often mm. because standards change or it's dictated external of the RTO. Yes. How do we address that? Um... 
for me, um, gradually. Yes. And deliberately. Yes. Um, they're probably the, the two key words that I would use there. Um, gradual because uh, it's not just going in there and making change for change's sake. I'm actually asking questions. My job yes. is predominantly asking questions. Yep. How do we avoid change fatigue in faculty, whether it's here or whether it's back in Australia? Yeah, I'm creating the change demand, um, identifying that these items that we're discussing for change are in fact a problem. Um, and then driving the, the question from or the conversation from a questioning point of view, say, if we did this, would it make it better? Yeah. If we did something else, would that work here? Um, and really listening to the answers that you get from the from this faculty because they know what works in this context. Yes. And they know what doesn't. Yes. They know what's been done before. And the relationships. You've got to sustain the relationships, yeah, don't you, in your that's, role? That's yeah. absolutely crucial. So yeah. for me, um, relationship management is absolutely the key. So I've got to develop a... I think it took probably oh, a good six months to develop trust. Yeah, yeah. And once we develop trust, and you develop that through listening and asking questions, yeah. um, and... Um, not out there to just make that change for the change's sake. Find out what the problems are mm. and then resolve some of those. What's the best piece of advice you would offer a person who is considering a position in education or in, in some sort of quality facet of education? Mm. That's a really good question because um, I think we get mixed up with the terminology in particularly TAFE sector of vet education um, where we're talking about compliance and compliance creates a fear mm-hmm. of it yes. in most cases yep. um, which is why I really appreciate my role title being a quality lead mm-hmm. um, and I can actually manage um, the educational transformation from a quality perspective. Mm-hmm. Aaron, thanks so much for spending this time with us. Huh? It's been great. Yeah, it's been a a very enjoyable conversation indeed. Thanks, Juan. Thank you. Yeah, that was a really interesting point that Aaron raised about quality. Um, Yes, yes. Look, his viewpoints are really important and quite exciting, really. Compliance is important, yes. But if we can overarch it and use the terminology of quality, then that's uh, perhaps a little bit more palatable. For the audience. Mm-hmm. So both compliance and quality, they're really important, but they need to be shared vision throughout mm-hmm. the training team or those endorsed as lecturers or instructors. Yeah. Um, so how can we do that? Yeah, I think that is actually one of the big difficulties because quite often the roles are segregated. You know, yes. you have you yes. have the lecturers or educators, and that's what they do. Mm. And they provide a quality product. They really want great outcomes for mm. their students. Mm. But then quite often you have compliance, or sometimes they're called quality, um, sitting outside of those teams. And they come in, they audit, they, they come in as a, um, should be a uh, impartial, Mm-hmm. looking at it from the outside. But there can be this angst, you know, as we were talking about before, where we f- feel like they're um, just looking for what's wrong. Mm. 
Mm. So creating that um, relationship where they're working together. So whether you have people embedded in work teams, so Mm -hmm. a quality person embedded, I think works really well because then they understand uh, where the program is going. They also build relationships with the people already working in it. Mm -hmm. So you don't have this someone coming in with the big stick. They're already there. They're working with you rather Mm. than telling you where you need to improve. You know, it's much more of a shared vision. But education as well. So um, training our educators about compliance and quality and how they fit together and why it's so important. Um, I I think the roles work better when they're actually melded. So people have this understanding of what quality is, what compliance is, because often it's the trainers and assessors and educators who are developing the, the learning resources. They're developing the assessments. They're developing the programs. So if they have this quality mindset and training before they even start yep. um, and it's embedded, you're actually going to get a much better outcome than having two distinct groups Look, it's so important. It can, can yeah. be warring. It's so yeah, absolutely, <laughs> it, it, absolutely, and it's so important to. Um, this could be a podcast in itself uh, because it's a big topic. But um, you know, often you'll find compliance representatives invited to team meetings um, periodically to give the latest information, yeah, and latest education brief. That's not really positive because that just reinforces the fact that you're telling us what to do. You're pushing us around. Uh, Don't you realise I have so much to do in the classroom as it is? Uh, Whereas really I'm I'm a big believer and it should be developed upon trusted relationships. So the compliance officer should be consistently involved with those teams. So they may be spread across a number of teams, but, you know, even just coming in and sitting in on team meetings... Uh, regular weekly team meetings and just not necessarily presenting but listening from the perspective of, okay, this is what the weekly workload looks like Mm. within the training team. Um, And so there's empathy there both ways Mm. and there's relationship there both ways And because compliance changes all of the time, our regulatory obligations change all of the time, it's not the compliance person's fault that they right. are put in this horrible position of, of telling you, okay, things need to change yet again. No one likes change. Um, but if we understand that it's almost like uh, vet currency that we have to maintain, we mm. have to respond to the regulator, um, what's the easiest way to meet these needs? Um, we don't have a choice. We have yeah. to do it. Um, what's the? You know, everyone should be open to formulating the most simplest way to accommodate the regulatory needs but also making it as easy as possible for the faculty. Yeah. It's really amazing, I find, how many over, you know, the last 10 years, people we've worked with in training and assessment, the educators, how they don't understand the regulatory framework we work under Mm-hmm. or the um, standards, standards we work yeah. under, they have no knowledge of it or how it relates to their practice. So no. bridging that divide of knowledge, you know, this standard relates to how you do this, you know, really breaking it down and embedding that um, into everyday practice, 
I think builds quality and also meets the compliance requirements as well. Um, I know a lot of people say, I don't want to know about that. I just want to teach. But it's really important that both aspects are embedded into our practice. I think I think uh, you. I'm trying to be diplomatic here, but as an instructor for 14 years, 15 years, um, I used to love linking up with my compliance representatives because I used to look at it from the perspective of I want to be an excellent instructor. I want to be producing an yeah. excellent resource and training experience for my cohorts. Um, and I remember having an internal audit undertaken and a new manager, education manager, sitting in on that audit expecting to pull me undone about this isn't done right, that's not done right. And I realised this was a you know a difficult, awkward situation. But anyway, I sat through the audit, um, welcoming the, the compliance officer in because I wanted to learn. Mm. Um, and at the end of the day, the compliance officer turned around to the manager and to myself and said, I wish we could clone him because if we could transfer his approach to training and assessment across the state, then our organisation would be much, much better, much stronger um, because it was just a healthy respect for compliance and I wanted to learn. And I reckon, you know, you don't have to be perfect, but if you want to learn and if you appreciate the role of compliance within producing uh, wonderful graduates that can transfer their knowledge into the industry, then, then it's only going to strengthen your role and also the organisation. Yeah, true. I think the true collaboration between where you have compliance officers or or teams and the education, when you have real collaboration there and working together, you're going to get real quality outcomes that meets both yeah. requirements. Yeah. Yeah. But often it's not like that, which is such a shame mm. because it would strengthen the training and assessment and graduate outcomes so much if yeah, we're able yeah. to achieve that. There's absolutely no reason to be um, in a world of conflict with no. your compliance officer. Um, I remember working in compliance in a uh, state government role for three years and I found myself, unfortunately, in in rather combative, you know, discussions at times and and I would frequently walk away thinking, well, why wouldn't we just want to embrace this? We can embrace it however you want, but why wouldn't we want to just be the best we can be mm-hmm. in accordance with what the regulator regulator regulatory officer or or, or organisation is asking of us. Um, So I really don't understand why there's a need for uh, a conflict of interest between the world of instructing as opposed to the role of compliance when you're running a learning and development organisation. I think probably if if you come back to um, quality is your goal, rather than having people talk about compliance, if you talk about quality, mm. I think that helps bridge that divide. It um, does. I, also, I guess from my perspective, having time where you actually go and perhaps work shadow or work in quality mm-hmm. for a while, yep. that yep. actually gives you a whole new perspective yeah. on what you're doing as an educator. That's right. So, you know... T- giving people those opportunities to actually expand their knowledge and skills and put it into practice from the other perspective, Mm. I think is a great way of actually um, 
enhancing quality across mm. the board mm. as well. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've certainly uh, invited faculty members to come in and undertake an internal audit with me, work shadow me. Yeah. And so the findings are not findings from Lee Ridge, but they are findings from the organisation. I think that's actually a really positive thing because often we have one person. Yep. You know, organisations will have one or two people that, that audit or do reviews, but actually getting the whole team or, you know, part of the team each time to participate, mm. then it's not just one person's opinion. Yeah. It's, okay, the three of us found evidence on this and you know we never realized that before how that fitted together or that there was a gap there and so you start to really build this quality mindset but also the collaboration of working together towards a quality outcome for our organization and our students yeah so deep breaths (sighs) deep breaths for everybody out there um no need for um the rolling of the eyes when the compliance officer walks in and the compliance officer needs to be open to uh, developing solutions with team members yeah. rather than imposing solutions upon team members. I think also, sorry to interrupt, but often you get from, you can often get from compliance that this is what's wrong, but there's no guidance of, well, what do I need to do? How do I, how do I improve? Or, you know, there's this, there can be this gap in knowledge that there's not, it's not quite right and you need to improve, but it might be from the educator, I don't know what I need to do to get there. Can you give me some advice? But you don't necessarily get that back from compliance. Well, well. <laughs> or regulators or, you know. You must, as, as a compliance officer, you must provide feedback upon here's some best practice examples. You can amend it how you want, but here's some examples as to how and why it can be improved upon. Yeah, so there's a real, I think, education role as mm. well from compliance and quality officers that needs to transcend across to other departments. There is. There is. Now, when you're talking uh, education... Yes. Um, so when you're talking education from a compliance perspective, there is at times, depending on the dynamic of the work team, there is uh, a number of alternatives that you can implement. So you can look at doing briefings, face-to-face briefings with with uh, the faculty, if they are open, and if they have the right mindset, and they if they are collaborative, then that can be a really positive experience. If you don't have an organisation which is open and collaborative, and is more you know lining up to throw tomatoes at you after you finish speaking, <laughs> then the other options are e-learning content. Yeah. which is mandated that they must go and review and, and be a part of. So in, the, in that context, we're talking about, you know, new announcements from the regulator can be directly linked to that e-learning content. You could do newsletters, regular quarterly newsletters, which are pretty uh, proactive. Um, you can share development tasks. So if you need to develop um, different processes, then involve the faculty in work teams to do that. You can do webinar updates. And importantly, I'm a big believer in fireside chats. So that is gathering together with small groups of faculty and building those trust, trusting yeah. relationships and sharing the need for change 
that it's look it's not me telling you look here it is it's written here from the regulator it says this so chapter and verse how are we going to do it here are some yeah. options what do you think is going to work best yeah and if you allow them to help develop the solution then it's quite a proactive process even though if you gathered gathered them together in a large group mm. they'd be perhaps antagonistic yeah i really from my perspective the us and them it doesn't work. No. It, it needs to be relationship-based. Yes. Um, in order to get really quality outcomes that meets everyone's needs. It does. Kate and myself would like to genuinely thank our growing global audience for your support. If you'd like to leave a review about education transformation on your chosen podcast platform, we would certainly value your feedback. 